everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing and actually ending The Lost Hero. We did it. We made it to the end. We finally made it. We're... Oh, God. The the Bonanza has has anza its last bond. You you could certainly say those words, which I'm not 100% certain were words. How, how are you doing today, Janie? <laughs> uh, I'm feeling good. Uh, it's currently 1am. I had six hours of sleep last night. This is how great podcasts are made. I, I'm going to... I'm going to be so coherent. Oh, I also had like six hours of sleep last night after doing oh, a, a, like a close sl- sleep for six hours, then go to work and open. That's horrible. So, you know, we're, we're, we're professional podcasters that do our <laughs> best with our environments. That's us. That's what we do. I, I never thought we'd see the end of this fucking book. <laughs> Is this is this alluding to your overall opinion, or just it's long? It's just long. It is, is this the longest one we've read, actually, just by sheer page count? Certainly it's got the most chapters, but some of the chapters are like a page long. Like, it has to be. I'm pretty sure it's like 500, 600 pages. Maybe not 600, but like 500 something pages. Yeah, 550. 554. Including the little appendix in the back of like the god names. I'm Googling longest Rick Riordan book. There's no results for longest Rick Riordan book. It's probably going to be like Trials of Apollo, book two, The Taint of Zeus. <laughs> I would read The Taint of Zeus. <laughs> I don't know. It might be interesting. It has a tattoo on it, Property of Hera. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. You know, good for them. <laughs> That sounds like a painful place to get a tattoo. That seems like it would be absolutely agonizing, and I suspect that's why she would do it. Is that like, do you have to get like a celestial bronze like needle gun? <laughs> Is it? Do you can do you have to like use the fang of a serpent? Yeah, you got to fill that shit with like proper toxins to make sure that it actually like stays in your immortal body. Hephaestus had to rig up a contraption. Hera would not tell him what it was for, but he knows there were there were stirrups and a needle. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> um. Anyway, this is the fucking hard-hitting literary analysis that our audience is here for. That's that's right. We're should I just do the summaries? I think so. Okay. So, chapter fifty-two, Piper. Piper wakes up, comfortable for the first time in a while, in Aphrodite cabin, but it's not long before mean old Drew Tanaka tries to step to her. By now, this seems like a pretty easy problem to fix, so Piper simply puts a dagger to her throat and challenges her for the position of head counselor, and Drew, afraid, steps down. Hooray! Later in the day, Chiron brings her to his office so she can use the camp's only computer to video call with her dad. Coach Hedge, the coach now officially short for Tristan McLean's life coach, and Melly the Aura, who replaced Jane as Tristan's assistant, answer the call to assure her everything is fine. Then her dad gets on the call, and he says he's sorry, he loves her, and he's proud of the wonderful young lady who will definitely surpass him one day. He's called away, and in total, the conversation lasts for maybe a minute. It's the longest one of these calls between them has ever lasted. 
A little progress. Outside, at the common area, Piper finds Jason, and she lets him know that no matter what his memories say, she'll follow him anywhere. He's happy to know that, and as they head to meet with Leo, Piper drops Thalia's invitation to join the hunters into the fire. Chapter 53. Leo. After revealing to Hephaestus' cabin that he's a fire user, Leo leads them, Chiron, Piper, and Jason into Bunker 9, which Chiron explains is a wartime command center from the American Civil War, and, like apparently all civil wars and revolutions since the fall of Rome, it mirrored a conflict between groups of demigods. That specific conflict was so bloody that the gods wove the mist and used all their power to try and keep those groups apart forevermore. Then, Leo reveals the schematic for the boat that will use Festus as a masthead. He's going to call it the Argo II, and they're going to use it to sail to Greece. Chapter 54, Leo. Chiron gives Cabin 9 six months at most to finish the Argo II, because the god's power is strongest at the summer solstice, and the winds will be easiest to navigate. Jake Mason steps down as senior counselor to let Leo take the lead. He's finally found a home and a family, and for the first time, he doesn't want to run. Chapter 55, Jason. Before the big head counselor meeting, Jason sits in Cabin 1, stewing in his re-emerging memories, including... Names of friends like Dakota, Gwendolyn, Hazel, Bobby, and Raina, the last of whom he may have had feelings for. He has a pretty one-sided conversation with the Statue of Zeus until Juno appears and declares that, by the time the Argo II sets sail, Jason will become a leader who can unite the two great powers. Only if the two groups unite will the gods be convinced to join the fight against the giants. Jason challenges her motives, considering her reputation for hating heroes, but she admits that she envies the other gods for their mortal children, because that connection can help them understand the mortal world better. She wants Jason to be that for her, to be her champion. She ends the conversation by giving him a gladius, a Roman sword, to make up for the weapon he lost, and Jason heads for the council meeting. Chapter 56, Jason. At the counselor meeting, Jason tells everyone the plot of the lost year up until now. Clarice... Head of Ares' cabin, if you didn't know, is a bit skeptical about the whole Roman camp idea, but Chiron explains the Greek and Roman demigods actually used to run into each other all the time on quests, and it always ended badly, starting with the Trojan War, where the Trojan hero Aeneas escaped and ended up being the progenitor of Rome. The two groups have both respected and despised each other forever. Unfortunately, not even Chiron or Jason know where the Roman camp is. However, before sailing to Greece, they'll sail for the Roman camp to try and make peace and gather the rest of the heroes of the Great Prophecy. Clarice points out that the prophecy doesn't necessarily say they'll be cooperating at the doors of death, though. Annabeth says she's going, and Jason agrees, but Leo wonders why her of all people, and Jason points out what we figured out like 40 chapters ago. An exchange <laughs> goes both ways, so if they find the Romans they'll find Percy Jackson. So Jane, what'd you think of these chapters and the lost hero as a whole? Away to the west in the land of traitors, Alcatraz, senators, and praetors. <laughs> uh, I, I, after reading the fucking Civil War shit, I immediately uh, rewrote the Union Dixie song to be from the perspective of Camp Half-Blood. You're a bit of a genius. Thank you. Those legionnaires must understand that they must mind their Uncle Sam. 
can can we get a full can we can you can you, can you like drop a full track of this sometime? <laughs> All right, but if I list the count tax because of this, I'm blaming you. I'll put it in the feed at some point. Don't worry. <laughs> and send that MP3 to me. I'll slot it in there. I got uh, it. But but yeah, the oh, there's a lot here. <laughs> there are implications. Sort of. Where do we start? Should we should we should we go through the the Piper chapter first? Just kind of knock that one on the head. It's its own thing. That's a good idea. the The Piper chapter is good. It almost made me cry. It's extremely good. Uh, Piper is. I think. I think she's snapped. I think she's just completely unhinged at this point. Uh huh. And it kind of rules. Yeah, no, she just, like, almost kills Drew Tanaka. Like, on on the one hand, it's like, you know, this is the progression that she's had in the story. She's so much more experienced now and stuff like that. On the other hand, the way that it's laid out with her, like, looking at Drew, then thinking back on everything that happened in the quest, and then putting a knife to Drew's throat, kind of reads like Piper is so traumatized that Drew doesn't even register as a threat anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Which, to be clear, I'm not against. That kind of seems to be, like, what it was going for. I mean, like, she's fought so many people now. She's killed, and Drew's never killed anyone. So it's like, you you don't register as anything to me, but, like, a, you, she, she finds it all quite laughable now, I guess. The fucking petty summer camp politics when she could simply kill her enemies. Right, yeah. Maybe she belongs at the Roman cabin. This is very possible, but yeah, it's it's also it is a really cool moment for for Piper, who has been like so down on herself and found it so difficult to act without like a million things potentially going wrong throughout this book. To see her just like taking bold actions like this is really cool. Yes, completely agreed. Piper, her entire character throughout this book has been the second guessing, the doubting herself, the doubting her own motives, and this is one moment where she can just be entirely clear. She can just do something, and I think that's cool. I'm like I'm glad that that we get to end on that and with I mean we we don't unfortunately get to the moment where uh Drew actually becomes a character. That is a disappointment. It kind of, it kind of seems like she is being pigeonholed permanently into the caricature. Like maybe now that she's not the head counselor, if we see more of her, she'll have more to do. But I don't know. I I suspect the opposite. I I wonder if this is the last we're ever going to see of Drew outside of her King Chronicles cameo. That would be incredibly funny. Just because, well, just because the these chapters also seem to imply that like a good chunk of this series is going to take place in Greece. Uh huh. So, fuck knows if we're going to see a good chunk of the Camp Offlet characters again. We have to, right? They brought. I mean, not to skip ahead, they brought back Clarice. I I know, and I'm terrified that this is like the one the one thing that Rick is giving us. It's so good too. She's in there, and she's awesome. Oh man. Clarice oh, is still man. the best character in these books. She really is. Ah, uh, what do we think about Chiron? Chiron having the camp computer in his office. 
this is so fucking funny to me. Uh huh. It's like the Camp Half Blood is like cosmologically obligated to have one kind of shit computer that doesn't work. Like the universe locks it into being like every other shitty summer camp on the planet. Yes. <laughs> it's so good because like we know this is something that has been basically established mm-hmm. is that like you shouldn't use electronics at Camp Half Blood. But this is coming out in 2011. Like there's there's got to be a computer now. Like there has to be. Chiron does have to Skype call with the party ponies to coordinate their their get-togethers. Oh, honestly, I would kill for a Chiron Skype call. I think that'd be so fucking good to just participate on. Like, I think the specific Brosnan to Skype call you. Well, that would probably be cool too. I don't know. I don't know anything about Pierce Brosnan, but you know, very famous person. (laughs) I what's like the specific thing that's said is that like. Oh, one time we had to rescue a demigod who googled gorgons, and boy, did that did that end up bad. What happened? I'm imagining like the Medusa head from Hades just flying out of the <laughs> like computer screen like a Digimon. <laughs> that 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 line where Chiron just like sums up this entire mini story in a sentence and then moves on as if he didn't say anything. That, to me, smacks so much of there is an expanded media story here that is being referenced that we don't know about. It, kind of, but I think it also just, like, really works as that kind of throwaway line. Mm-hmm. Like, it's something that could be, like, oh, there could be, like, a digital short story written about this, probably. But eh, it, it, I, eh, I wouldn't read it. <laughs> I would. I would. I know you would. And I'd make you read it with me. Aww. No? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that... Going back, going back to Piper's character arc a little bit, I think also we we flagged up a lot of concerns about the whole, you know, the not-like-other-girls thing that we were getting from some earlier chapters. I think the, this, this chapter thoroughly assuages those concerns, for me at least. Where Piper's like big, big speech to um, Aphrodite Cabin is about how like, you know, the 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 like, the, fe- like the femininity that's associated with Aphrodite is not necessarily bad. Drew is just expressing it in one specific, extremely toxic way. Yeah. So you know, I'm just, I'm glad that that got resolved, and I'm now further confused by the fact that I keep seeing memes on r slash camp Half-Bloods that fucking treat Piper like that was all her character is. You need to stop going on r slash camp Half-Blood. To, to be clear, this is like an, a vibe gained from over a year of dotting in and out occasionally. It's... I do not go on there regularly. From, for the sake of my own mental health. I I understand. I'm just like... Where is this going to go? Because I, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I'm. I I've seen the reception too. I wonder like how all these characters are going to transform by the end of the series. Is my big like, I I I hope that I hope it doesn't turn into a shit show. There are four more books left for Rick to fuck this up. It'd be so sad. <laughs> I hope he doesn't. Specifically because they're so long, so we'd have to sit through them for a while. 
<laughs> but it's fine because the books on the on the whole pretty good. This book so is very, yeah, I I I did like this book quite a bit. It somehow, despite being so so long, it felt like it earned its relative pace and length. And you know what? I I enjoyed it. This is what I'll say. I enjoyed the Lost Hero. It's a promising start. It's a promising first chapter. It was really long, and the like macro level plot was kind of shit. I, I I'm thinking about this now. I wonder how much our specific reading format like affected our view of this book. Like made us like it more. I I I wonder if that's the case because we're kind of every week dropping in and reading a few chapters about these characters we like, and that that kind of leaves us in a position where like the overall plot being a bit flimsy is less of an effect on us because we're just getting these like nice little episodic chunks. I'd be I'd be curious if anyone like like slammed this in a couple of days or something what their impressions would be on it. Yeah, let us know if you know. Send us yeah. an email. Send us a DM. Send us a Discord message. Let us know somehow. I <laughs> yeah, I'm curious about that too. Maybe we should start just like a, a new segment where we think about the plot every episode. <laughs> the problem was there wasn't a lot of a plot in a lot of the episodes of this one. That's true. It's a it's a short check in this week. This week we were I don't know we were in an ice castle and then in like Texas or something. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Hera or the giants, but yeah. No, you're right. Those those check ins would be terrible. Speaking of uh, kind of uh, actually, this was a bad thing that was episodic to drop into every couple of weeks. Uh, which was uh, Jason and Piper's relationship. Uh-huh. Which was just a pair of them, like, sitting on opposite sides of a room thinking, I should probably talk to this person. They never did. They never they, they never did before, but now that uh, Piper is fucking going Joker mode, uh, she is now being much more assertive about wanting to be with Jason. And uh, actually, it kind of makes this relationship work for me a lot more. Yes. Yeah, I mean... This is a thing, right? Like Piper is expressing her needs and her wants, and she hasn't been doing that a lot up until now. And like she wants to have a relationship with Jason before she was like, ah, I don't know if that would super work. And uh, like they get to have the the little moment by, <laughs> they get to have the little romance book moment where like the <laughs> he's all sweaty from playing basketball and she's looking glamorous after having just having her like well she's looking very normal but very glamorous at the same time uh-huh. from just ha- having her uh her her camp victory and they get to like talk out basically like not like in such explicit terms about how they're like romantically connected or anything like that but like you know i'll follow you wherever that's that's something yeah that's i'm sure there's fucking ship art out there with that quote on it is what i'll say about it oh for sure but yeah they were both very passive before piper is no longer being passive which makes it much less annoying to read exactly i really want to just talk about this call yeah first i get before we get to the meat of it Coach Hedge, Melly, what do we think of them with their new jobs? Uh, I think it's it's a really sweet little like capstone to these two side characters. 
I also think it's extremely funny that like Trist Tristan McLean was kidnapped by giants, found out that his daughter was a demigod. And he's come out of the other end of this thinking that he like went on a week long bender and fucking came back with a quote unquote life coach from like a cult or something. No, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> the problem is this is such a sweet moment. But now that you put it in those terms, it very much feels like, oh yeah, he had a very long conversation with, or not very long, but like longer than he's ever had a call conversation with Piper. And he's doing it because he thinks he dropped off the face of the earth drinking or something for, for the past week. <laughs> like he's, he's, he thought he had so much cocaine that he just like went to another dimension for a bit. He's reevaluating his life because he, as far as he's aware, he probably almost OD'd. Oh god, horrible. <laughs> and like I it I mean it's still a very touching. Like I the the tears were in my eyes because I don't know. I I kind of did expect that it was going to be the like two steps forward, one step back type of thing where like he just didn't have like where it was just going to be that dissatisfying conversation and Piper would have to mm -hmm. sit with that. And the fact that it wasn't that like something remained, I don't know, it's nice. Yeah, it is really nice, and I, I, I should add, it doesn't read in any way as if the intention is supposed to be that Tristan is reevaluating his life after a bender. It's a very, it's a very sincere moment, and I like that no, a lot. <laughs> but it's very funny to think about. <laughs> oh yeah, I just the one other thing about Piper is that I kind of I I appreciate the meaning of the gesture of her tossing her invitation to the children of Artemis into a fire. It's like, oh, you know, I would never abandon Jason like that. I don't want to break hearts like Drew was saying we all should. Uh, but, you know, on the off chance that Jason bites it, which does seem kind of likely, it wouldn't, wouldn't hurt to keep the ticket to immortality in your back pocket just in case. No, yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty handy. Like, if you get invited to the Hunters of Artemis, you should at least, like, put a maybe at least, like, put it in a drawer somewhere. But uh, also, she's Joker mode now. She's unhinged. So I, I guess this is just what she does. It's so funny that unhinged for Piper really is just, like, making decisions and doing things. Also threatening to stab people. Well, sure, yes, that. But uh, Also threatening to put the same person in a catapult and launch them across the Long Island Sound. Well, also For looking that. at Jason. <laughs> But largely, <laughs> largely just being pretty normal. Making the decision to threaten to kill someone. Yeah, that's very normal to say and do. <laughs> uh, that's, I, I don't have a time left for Piper. Should, Same. We, should we move on to Leo? I think so. Leo is where shit starts to get a little wild. This is, this is where these chapters start to uh, derail a little bit. <laughs> and not even because they derail... They, it's not even because, like, in the way they're written, they get derailed. It derails just, like, like a train crashing into my brain. No, no, because they're written completely normally in, like, nice wrap-up chapters for Leo, but because of some of the shit that's going on, you are, like, going insane while you read these relatively otherwise normal chapters. Yeah, it's, like, five pages long, first of all. <laughs> and, the, like, the, both of these chapters combined, and... Like, we can very quickly talk about, like, oh, Leo, like, finally opens up about his secret to everyone. He finally feels like he has a home. And this is where, like, the quest going forward is defined. This is, like, the building of the Argo 2, which is a, a pretty good name. 
and the Little unoriginal <laughs> certainly and yeah, you remember how luke's whole thing was the uh the greek gods were stagnant they were just kind of repeating the same bullshit over and over again and it was going to uh-huh. eventually ruin them you're not under any circumstances got to hand it to luke however <laughs> it's just something to think about <laughs> and and we get our our new time limit <laughs> it's fine just- it's it's fine because this time they have four books to do something until like before the solstice instead of just one. I I thought my assumption was that um the uh like th- this is just gonna be the time skip to the next book. Maybe yeah, it is very possible. Mainly because uh the the back of my book has the first chapter of Son of Neptune in it, and I accidentally flipped to it, and it was from Percy's perspective. Well. <laughs> I guess that's a bit obvious. <laughs> we'll certainly see how it goes. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm excited for Son of Neptune. I remember. Same. I think I like that one. The cover art was cool. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later. Uh, God. No, I'm interested uh, to read the book that Throne of Fire was sacrificed on the altar to. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I. And we get just like Jake Mason just like stepping down. <laughs> as camp counselor which is so fucking funny to me <laughs> like I he's mean, just like uh-huh. like wouldn't you the, the second a viable alter like he was putting a fucking full body cast in this job i would quit the second a viable replacement came along as well i don't know if i would even wait that long <laughs> i would have appointed fucking i don't even remember her name like the the girl Get Drew to do it. She's out of a job right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) No, I I completely... But just bad luck Jake Mason over here. Leo says that as soon as he accepts the job, he can feel the curse of Hephaestus being lifted. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. I didn't didn't realize that it was as soon as that specific guy fucked off, but you're right. Oh god! But it is the... it is incredibly funny that like within a week of arriving here, all three of these people are now like head counselors. Yes. Like my my conspiracy brain wants to believe that this is like actually the the Roman demigods infiltrating Camp Halflers in some fucking insane long con. It feels like um, <laughs> to me it feels so much just like a like okay the Piper one makes a lot of sense. Jason, okay, de facto, you know, nobody by, else yeah, there. Yeah, by default. Uh, to me, Jake Mason stepping down really feels like Rick Riordan being like, wait, we need to have Leo in the meeting at the end of the book, too. How do I get that to happen? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Jake Mason. God. I, we need to talk about the meat the meat and potatoes of this chapter, though. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, do you want to outline this premise, or should I? I feel like... As 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 the resident expert on on American history and culture, you should. I thought you were gonna say that you should. I would have laughed, but <laughs> I mean, you know the songs better than I do, apparently. Oh, that's just because the fucking memes appeared in my YouTube recommended. I see. Okay, so the basic idea here is that the Roman camp and the Greek camp have been at odds since the Trojan War and beyond, and. Since the fall of Rome, 
every single revolution and civil war has mirrored a conflict between those like two groups and up until the american civil war which we also guessed like 40 chapters ago by the way <laughs> uh like i was it was kind of a long shot but uh we 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 really we really got that one just from the number which you know we're geniuses and such uh, we we certainly are. We we figured out so many of the twists in this children's book ahead of time. What does this mean? I look. I don't want to say that it means that at least one group of demigods was fighting to preserve the institution of slavery. Well, okay, the the wording here is very careful, and we should take that into account. Uh huh. Because it's. It's said that every human conflict that falls under the category of civil wars and revolutions since the fall of Rome has mirrored a demigod conflict. So is that it doesn't mean that the, the, the Greek gods, it doesn't mean Camp Half-Blood versus Camp whatever were like fighting uh, this, like the civil war. Yeah, they weren't like in the Union Army or something. But... The fact that this is the one that is used and that one of them is in the north and one of them is in, not the south, but like, you know, uh, is, does sure make it seem like, you know. I, I did not think it was possible for Rick to put his foot in it harder than he did with like the World War II stuff and Lightning Thief. Uh-huh. And I was wrong. This might actually be worse. <laughs> I mean, what it does is it makes the Roman camp seem like the bad guys immediately, right? Immediately. Which, I guess that's, like, fair. Like, that's cool. You can make them seem like the bad guys. Maybe they suck. Or maybe that's something to be subverted. Maybe that's... Like, it's cool to set up expectations like that. In my Percy Jackson fanfiction, they are the villains. But... This is just so wild. Also, what are the implications for like the entirety of history here? Because uh, okay, the implication is that um, Apophis manipulated the uh, Roman demigods and Greek demigods to battle during the Egyptian Revolution of 2011. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I will it... never let that go. It gets worse and worse the more stuff that happens. Is it only like? Is it only? I don't, is it only like, um, well, no, because we have to, we have to take into account that it stopped after the, the American Civil War. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. But, does Wait, this but, mean the, but, uh-huh? this book's set in 2010. Oh. and Shadow is set in 2011 after the, the camps re-meet again. Well, we, we don't know that yet. We, the, the camps haven't officially, officially met. That could happen on page. That's true. That's true. That, no, they they could have the conflict. They could go to Egypt. <laughs> um, like okay, does this mean literally every single civil war and revolution in that time period involved demigods, or does it mean like specifically those that fall within the purview of the heart of the West? Like what? How how broad is the scope here? I, you would have to assume that it's just the heart of the West, right? Because that's where the demigods would be. Like, the camps move around with the heart of the West. So physically, that's where the demigods would be to do the revolution and the wars and stuff. Right, but we know there are demigods other places. 
Uh, this is also true because they did also all fight in World War Two, which is a canon thing that we will never be able to get rid of. Was the Russian Revolution? Was that which which side were they? That like, is a fascinating question. Were the was the Roman camp the czarists or were the or was that the like or was that the the, the camp half blood? You know what's really fucking getting me about this? What's that? Is that like okay? The what I'm about to suggest would also be bad, but it would be less obviously bad to just like the average reader at least. Which is why didn't uh, Rick just make this the American Revolution? Huh? Yeah. Like if it was the War of Independence, that's at least like obviously everything about that war fucking sucked for a number of reasons. Yes. But it was you not know, on its face. Everyone knows this about it about slavery. Yes, exactly. So I don't. I don't know why he didn't just do that. I guess hmm is it geographic how do you mean like do is do we need are is this like rick backfilling why they're like geographically separated i thought they were geographically separated um because they stuck the the roman ones uh in the west to keep an eye on the titans yeah which yeah. they did a pretty fucking shit job of by the way we're, we're, I don't know if they were specifically there to keep an eye on the Titans, or if they were just like put there to be as far away from the Greeks as possible. I think I think it specifically does say that they were there to keep an eye on the Titans. That's interesting. Yeah, they did do a bad job of that, huh? Like they okay, fa- fair play. Jason killed their king or whatever in the aftermath of the Battle of Manhattan, but also uh, Nico had to sneak in there to do the spying for them. I guess we don't know that in that scene there wasn't also a Roman demigod somewhere. <laughs> like, just like, off screen, and we're gonna get the fucking, in ten years, the Midnight Sun Percy Jackson thing where we get, like, Jason's perspective while he's doing that. Honestly, I wouldn't hate- I mean, I might hate that, but I wouldn't hate that. <laughs> it might be terrible, but I'd certainly read it. Yes. No, like, I don't know. Like, because we can just- assume that they were also doing their own anti-chronos shit at the same time but like it just so happened that he went towards new york city and that's that's where that's where the that's where camp half-blood is Hmm. so they're like oh who cares he's going that way (laughs) god maybe that was the plan they'll take over one mountain chronos can have the other one which sides of the French Revolution were were the Roman and the the Greek ones? Fuck. I think Fuck. the Romans. I think this time I will say that maybe the Romans were the like the revolutionaries. I think, I think that makes sense if you were, if you were to paint like extremely broad strokes about the French Revolution and be like, you know, the revolution was kind of triggered by the Enlightenment, which quote unquote, which was like a lot of digging up classical texts from the Romans and stuff. So that would probably that counts for the Greeks as well, I guess. Also to me, there's something that like rings true about the parallel between like the Greek Bacchanal and like the hedonism of the French aristocracy or whatever. This is true. And also um, like 
God, this is such a fucking reach. Uh, <laughs> Paris of Troy uh, oh. was like a, a forefather of the Romans in this universe. Uh, and there is a place in France named Paris. I don't know if you've heard of it. I haven't, but I'm really <laughs> glad to have learned about it. Every single episode from now on, we're going to have to like randomly come up with an <laughs> with a revolution or civil war and assign which side was which. This is what's replacing the the which character is not cishet thing. I'm it's very just so- us doing no research about historical conflicts and revolutions. That's right. Randomly assigning one of these camps to them. We're getting the big ones out of the way, of course. Obviously. But wait, we do know that the American Revolution does still fall into this, like, the, it still falls into this category. It does. Or I guess, or does it? No, it does, because it's between the Civil War and the fall of Rome. It does, but was the heart of the West in America during the American Civil War? Not Civil War, fucking Revolution. Because... Like, isn't the idea supposed to be the, like, that's the most powerful Western state that gets the heart of the West? And that wouldn't have been America when it was a bunch of fucking dirty rebels shooting at Redcoats. Would it have been Britain? I guess it might have been. I, I don't like In which case, like uh, we need to ask, uh, was Oliver Cromwell a Greek or Roman demigod? I hate this so fucking much. <laughs> I fucking hate this so bad. It's really bad. Oh, I don't, God. I don't know why Rick decided that this was a good idea. Every, like, third book, there has to be something just absolutely horrendous that breaks our brains put in. It's like every third book that we read. It's true. It's true. God. I. It's so innocuous. Like, I. It's just that Rick Riordan loves history, and he loves to teach history to children, probably. And I don't know. I guess that this is a good way to get children to look at history. I suppose that's true. But fuck. Yeah. (laughs) We haven't even touched on the Jason chapters that much. The J- oh, what the fuck happens in the Jason chapters? Everything. Kind of. And nothing. Mostly, I don't know. Uh, there's the conversation with Hera. Uh, she is so fucking manipulative. Yes. She is like... On the one hand, there's this really nice moment in this these chapters where she's like, you know, Piper and Leo aren't just like your, your responsibility to protect. They're also your friends who will support you as well. Which kind of, it kind of um, brings to the surface that idea we were talking about a little while ago of Jason just like not valuing himself at all, and seeming to like only live uh, like at the whim of others. And so you know, it's it's interesting to see that, and it'll be, it's it's nice that Hera kind of helps him with that problem that he has. On the other hand, she really lays it on thick that he is like her champion. And her safety and the continued safety of Olympus relies on what he does. Yeah, the- oh god, I didn't even think about that until you said it, but yeah, she's manipulating him so fucking hard. And, oh god, to your first point, the Mm -hmm. like- the reason that this works so well is that we know now, because his memories are coming back- that Jason was, like, A slash the leader at the Roman camp. Mm. 
And he specifically viewed that as like everyone would always look to him. And I think that kind of thing could definitely lead to an at that attitude of like, I guess, passivity or like yeah. his life is just for other people in that way. So that's really interesting and kind of opens up his character in a whole new way, which I really like. Yeah. Secondly, holy shit, Hera is, I guess Juno here, is being so fucking manipulative. (laughs) Like, oh my god. Like, the way she is, like, positioning herself... Like, like, oh, I can't have children, of course, but, like... And, like, I'm I'm the goddess of, like, faith, of faithfulness. And, like, I can't have children, but I want you to fill that position for me. She's putting herself in, in like, the mother role for him. Yeah, exa- that is exactly what she's doing. She is taking this child who has just rediscovered that his mother is dead... And putting herself into a, like, surrogate mother role to weaponize him. Yeah, it's so horrible. It's so (laughs) fucked up, and I really like it, because Hera is so fucked up. No, this is completely consistent with everything that we've gotten from Hera in the previous books. And it is, like, it's just subtle enough that you can see how Jason doesn't see it. Exactly. It's really well done. It's one of the most like deft manipulations I've ever seen in this series. Maybe, maybe Hera was the master manipulator all along. Maybe Kronos was on some baby shit. I mean, she kind of is, right? <laughs> like that's she's been doing this shit since Leo was a fucking baby, and oh god, and no. also since Jason was a baby and she fucking stole him. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Oh my god, I this is blowing my mind apart. <laughs> wow. Wow. She's so fucked up. Part of why he's so easily manipulated right now is because he is just having all his memories come back at once. Kind not not all of them come back at once. He's having like half of his memories come back. Which is possibly worse. Uh-huh. Because he's like, uh, I don't remember enough about my friends to know, like, you know, what they valued about me, you know, to kind of remember the good times we had together. Uh, I remember enough to know that I had, like, obligations to them that I'm fucking up now. Yes! He knows enough to be, like, hurt and feel bad Mm -hmm. about it. And to, like, know, like, oh god, am I, like, completely fucking something up by kind of, like, having a thing with Piper? It's... Oh my god, poor Jason. He is he is doing the full fucking Geralt of Rivia. Where he gets amnesia, hooks up with a girl, doesn't realize that pre-amnesia he had another girlfriend. Uh-huh. This is gonna end extremely badly for him, and I feel very sorry for him. But you know what? Jason has, I think, had such a great like arc through this book. He's really become just like... Like from like our first initial impressions, they I feel like we've completely flipped on Jason. It took a long time for his arc to pick up. I think we were like over halfway through before we started like noticing things that we liked about his character. But once it hits its stride, it really yeah, his character arc is really good. Yeah. I was prepared to just like, oh god, we're gonna have a boring main character for five books. Like that's really what oh. I thought. Oh yeah, no, I was fully prepared to write him off. Speaking of I don't know if I should like segue it with speaking of boring i feel like that kind of colors the tone of it what do we think about the replacement weapon 
I was literally just about to uh, talk about how fucking terrible it is. Uh-huh. Just, we, we go from one of the coolest weapons in the series, fucking flip coin, get sword or lance, to here is a gladius. Good luck. Like, a gladius is fine, I guess, but... Like, it's cool, but... Like, I guess you could say that it's like a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, okay, he's obviously like entering a new phase. He's having to sort of break himself down and start from step one. Like he had like the level 50 weapon and now he's starting back with a level one weapon. And that kind of like makes sense for where his, where he's at. Wait, now um, that you say that, I actually kind of like that. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> and also I feel like hopefully the, hopefully it gets some kind of cool power eventually. But also if he's just like soloing Titans eventually with his Gladius, I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. Okay, but what if he... It's, it's like you're saying with him, like, being busted back down to level one weapon, uh, which means that in the future, in, like, a moment of desperation, he'll, like, get his coin back. Oh, yes. That That's that's now desperately what I'm rooting for. As long as there is some JRPG-ish progression, I'll be fine. I am I'm adding another uh, check mark to the list of things that I have made up about these books that I want to happen. And I'll be mad at Rick Ryden for not anticipating and putting in them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I don't. He talks to Zeus a little bit. That's you know that's normal, I guess. It's this is we didn't get and the Zeus fucking blanks him. We yeah we didn't get the the dream sequence with Zeus, which I guess makes perfect sense. Yeah, I. Jason, Jason's explanation for it is kind of that the Roman versions of the gods don't like to interact with mortals as much. Uh, and then Juno appears behind him. Uh-huh. <laughs> just kind of fucks that whole rationalization up. Which, I mean, I guess she was there, like, we just figured out just to manipulate him. Mm-hmm. Which, which isn't to say there wasn't some authenticity there. You know, the best, the best lies and manipulations involve authenticity. No, I, I totally believe what she's saying about, like, feeling jealous of, like, the other gods who have kids because it means that they have more of an understanding of the mortal world. I think she's absolutely telling the truth about that. Yeah, she's just using it for super fucked up reasons. Absolutely. And, yeah, like, it may, I, I get why there isn't a dream sequence. I think the fact that the trifecta wasn't pleaded is, you know, that that says something. Yeah, definitely. Should we just get straight to the council meeting? Let's go. There's a lot of small details here that are really nice. It's it's just kids hanging out and having fun. Yeah, which I think is a good way to like end the book. <laughs> because this has been we've been away from camp for so so long. Yeah. And we didn't really get the like end of book gather around the campfire shit. Yeah. Yeah, there's no like sing along at the end of this one, which I think is a shame. But what we do get is kind of a look at how, because the last time we saw one of these, it was with like, there were at most maybe 12 kids. Yeah, and it was like, this was just before like, the shit hit the fan in Last Olympian, right? Uh-huh. And also Beckendorf had just died. Yeah. So this it, is was, part it of... was a bleaker affair. And now it's, I mean, it's definitely grown in size there are a lot more kids there of various like because now they actually count 
Like, oh yeah, <laughs> you didn't like get a voice before because who cares who your parent was? Now that you get a cabin, you get a voice. Mm-hmm. But, and I don't know. It's just like a lot of fun little shenanigans. Like the the daughter of Hecate, who I think what was that like Mary Lou or something like that. I think that's literally what's written in the book. It's Mary Lou something. <laughs> just like taking a kid's nose off, which is horrifying. We should clarify that it means like she's doing got your nose, but with her actual nose. It It's not like she hits someone in the face and their nose comes off. That would be fucked up. <laughs> we see, I think we see the Stoll brothers again, maybe. And uh, then Clarice. Clarice is finally here. Clarice is fucking sitting there with her boots up on the table, like, filing her nails while everyone discusses the end of the world shit. She's so cool. She's so cool. (laughs) She's, like, picking dirt out of her fingernails with a knife or something. Yeah. Please put her on the boat, Rick. The the problem is... (laughs) The problem is we already have four of the seven demigods... And it was kind of implied here that the rest of them would be from the Roman camp. I I I have a, a galaxy brain uh, take here. Uh-huh. Which is, I reckon that at least another one is going to be from Camp Half-Blood, and I reckon it's Nico. So you think we get a grand total of, like, two Roman ones? This is, I think so. Is that, pro- like, Leo's going to get kicked out? <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny because he's already like Harrow was like you're the most important to the entire quest. <laughs> the, the thing he does that's the most important is he builds the boat, and everyone's like, "Wow, thanks, Leo!" And they leave him at camp. Thanks for the boat, Leo. Bye. <laughs> God. <laughs> Poor I Leo. Know, I feel like they they could take along like additional crew who aren't like because Annabeth is not one of the seven demigods, or at least. That's not what's said at the end of this book. She's going along because she thinks that Percy is at the Roman camp. So they don't necessarily only need to take on demigods from the prophecy. Yeah, but it feels like she's one of the seven demigods. Like, it wasn't de-confirmed that she was, like, wasn't or something. Yeah, no, it's, it's very much up in the air, and it probably will turn out to be the case. Like, Percy will definitely be one. We've yeah. got Jason, we've got Leo, we've got Piper... Annabeth, maybe, and then we've got two slots left. I, I I think you're right. At least one of them has to be Nico, it feels like. Just because, like, I know that there is a lot of uh, Nico queer content, and that wasn't in the original five books, so it's probably going to come in here somewhere. I, I, I guess I hate to say it, but yeah, maybe let's 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 do away with Annabeth, because I, I want to see some new characters. <laughs> Like, Rick Riordan has done a good job of introducing characters in this book who are cool, so I want to see the Roman kids. I think I, I was thinking about this earlier, is like one of my big takeaways from this book is that, yeah, the overall plot was kind of a wash, but it has, like, it's endeared me so much to these characters who I'm going to be stuck with for the next four books. And, like, that that's the main thing that this needed to do, and it succeeded at that extremely well. Yeah, yeah, same. I that's largely my takeaway too. I think the Lost Hero was a, a a very flawed book, a book that definitely could have done with like maybe a bit more stringent editing, maybe just like mm-hmm. a tighter pace. We we've we've talked about this extensively, but yeah. at at the end of the day, it's just like it works for me. I think it. 
I think it's wild that it can say like, all right, fuck you. Percy isn't here. Here's three new people. Love them. And then we do. Because again, that's to, to, to go back to the brain poison that I've received from the Campopolis subreddit. That's kind of the vibe that I was getting from how everyone talked about Heroes of Olympus. Because every, every week it would be a fucking picture of, like, chapter one, Jason, with just, like, an eye roll emoji or something. Uh-huh. Uh, but fuck you, don't roll your eyes at Jason. Yeah, yeah, Jason. Jason's cool. <laughs> Jason's cool, Leo's still not funny, but he's awesome, and Piper still rocks. Jason is going through enough without people rolling their eyes at him. Yeah. Man. Yeah, all, all three characters good. And, I don't know. I even just like even if the overall story of this specific book was a bit wobbly, I think it was mm-hmm. a great setup. Oh, def- I'm very excited to do a fucking overseas road trip to Greece. Same, same. And Which, again, wild given that we already had the Globetrotting Adventure series and it was crap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. This is kind of like book one. I have a feeling that, like, Porphyrion is going to be, like, the super ultimate... Not the super ultimate guy. We know who the super ultimate guy is, and it's guy uh But, mm-hmm. like, Porphyrion probably is going to be, like, a final book battle, right? I think so, yeah. So, to, so to me, this is going to be kind of like Percy getting dragged into Tartarus of the Flying Shoe. Wait. Wait. Oh, fuck. I just remembered. Oh. oh. There's a fucking, uh, <laughs> some Hermes kids are, like, they, they're they hastily putting together a sign that is, like, flying shoes used 50% off. I was, I was looking at those and I was thinking, is that, are those the... It fucking has to be. It has to be, and I've just, like, just realized now why they're being sold at this point. Uh, because Percy is gone, so they stole all his stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> so they're selling his shit. That's so fucking good. <laughs> like why are all these they're all these like weird green candy or blue candies? Like this is okay, sure. <laughs> Fuck it. Come buy it at the camp store. They're selling ripside for like three drachma. Oh god, that's so- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this th- that rules. I <laughs> I just want to see, like, some random camper, like, using Riptide now, or, like, his, one of his cool other pieces of equipment, and I don't know. The the thing is is that you could really easily con people with Riptide, because you sell them it, and you wait until they, like, go out of eye line, and then it just, like, appears back in your pocket. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And you sell it to someone else. (laughs) Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe Maybe the shoes fly back as well. It's a whole, like, scam they've got running. Well, the shoes flying to Tartarus still, probably. <laughs> Maybe they have contacts down there. Oh my god. Uh, I, is that, have, have we done it? Have we completed the Lost Hero? I think that's it. That's, that's the note we should leave off on. Uh, we do, we, we uh, yelled in the official Unwise Girls Discord server, which you can find on our Twitter. Um, Twitter.com slash Unwise Girls. If anyone had any like questions or things they wanted to know about the Lost Hero, uh, we did get a reply. Yeah, uh, specifically, I want to uh, from Mouse of the Show, Marcy. I want hey. to uh, examine this this one. Uh, make a tier list of all fighting styles. 
Also, what Danganronpa Ultimates, the main characters are, unless you want to save that for the end of the series. Let's save that for the end of the series. I should play Danganronpa between uh, now and then, I suppose. Because we did it for we did it for the last like something at some point, I think. Maybe it was King Chronicles. I I'm gonna take your word for it. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll save it for the end, and you can play Danganronpa. But we we have to rank all the fighting styles, Jane. So what what are the fighting styles we get in this book? We know there's 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 Greek. There's there's the sword guy. He he does Greek fighting. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, Yessi's shit sword, shit Greek sword fighting. And there's Jason. There's there's Roman praetorial combat or whatever. Roman praetorian flying, also lightning. We we know that one beats Lit Yersis. Uh-huh. We have uh, Piper, which is be injured in every fight scene. Uh-huh. Uh, that probably <laughs> goes below Lit Yersis. Probably. I mean, she survived to the end of the books. So maybe actually it goes above Lit Yersis. <laughs> I mean, if you're in the back line injured, it's harder to die as long as uh, everyone else with you also doesn't die. Uh, there's Leo, which is heavy machinery and cast fire. Leo, which is fucking, like, Batman Arkham game using gadgets to fucking dismantle your opponents. And also you have fire spells. Also that. I think that might beat Jason. I th- yeah, I think he might. <laughs> is Leo the most powerful character in this series? I think he might be. Uh, I mean, okay. There's also a giant fighting style, which involves shooting lasers from your mouth and also <laughs> being fucking huge. That mu- that one might win. I, I mean, they both ate shit, so... that's Well, Porphyrian is fine, basically. That's true. He, but, but they got like a 50% win ratio in this one. I would put it like... What do you say? Like above Jason? Hang on. Okay, so I've 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 written out the full list. Yeah, yeah. So Yersi's Jason. <laughs> now you've written you've I, I noticed <laughs> you you stuck one in on the end here. Uh, after, uh, right after Giant Style, you have uh, Coach Hedge, who has the style of be annoying. Well, he doesn't do anything else. That's he right. He contributes nothing of value in any of the fights. But he also survived to the end of the book, so I would put him above Yersi's. Okay, I need. I'll need to. I need to reorganize these. So Lyerses goes at the bottom. That's right. Because he talks big and then does nothing. Just eats shit immediately. That's right. Uh. So yeah, everyone else goes above him. Coach Hedge second. Second to the bottom. Because he does nothing. Yeah. Okay. To me, it's Leo, Giant Style, Jason, Piper, then Hedge and Lyerses. I think I think that makes sense. Like Heon style, which I guess is like summoner, just uh, get shot and run away. Uh huh. I'll, <laughs> I'll put that one below Yersi's, Whatever. Yeah, I mean, at least he put up a fight before he took the L. That's true. Um. Oh. Oh. Hunters of Artemis style. I feel like the Hunters of Artemis would have to be like extremely fucking powerful, right? I mean, they must because be. they can they can live for hundreds of years, so they'd be like experts at everything. Yeah, I mean, they they do all kinds of, like... At one point, Thalia does a sick fucking... Like, she flips backwards, and while she's in midair, she does the cool bow and arrow shot. Like that's, That is true. That's gotta go, like... Does that go above Jason or below Jason? Hmm. 
Jason does also get clobbered by the Cyclopes. Uh-huh. So I feel like maybe the Hunters of Artemis slot in above, above him. Okay, okay. I, th- I think that's all the styles. I think that's all the styles. I realize we've, like, ranked these from best to worst instead of putting them in a tier list. Uh, so just imagine that we put a corresponding letter next to each one. Also, we should probably read it out. Okay. Y- y- go ahead. Okay, so... Uh, bottom of the pile, absolute worst, is uh, Lycaon, whose fighting style is get shot. Then above that, we got Lyerses, who's shit Greek sword fighting. Uh, above him, Coach Hedge, whose style is be annoying and shout die. Uh, there's Piper, who is be injured in every fight so you don't have to fight. Uh, Jason, who uh, does Roman Legionnaire shit, flies around and shoots lightning out of his hands. The Hunters of Artemis, who are just cool. They're, they're cool and shoot arrows. They're DPS. Uh, gi- <laughs> uh, giant style, which is uh, be Godzilla. And then finally Leo, which is just, you know, be the coolest character in the book. Exactly. I, I think that does it for us. That does it for us. Do we have any any uh, not cishet moments this week? Oh, I don't know. <sighs> Do you have one? Uh, Clovis continues to be gender. Clovis isn't even in. Okay, Clovis is sleeping yeah, is. and has twi- <laughs> has like twenty pencils stuck up his nose. <laughs> not that bit. I should clarify. Uh huh. Just like sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. I think I already made Piper trans, but I you did. I feel like there's still something there with the like reclaiming the camp, like the femininity. I don't know something something. Threatening people with a knife, all, all the normal things. Yeah, exactly. Well, oh, our sad, pathetic, not so sad segment. <laughs> it, the, the life is truly being choked out of it. Look, if if I'm right and Nico is one of the demigods, then hopefully uh, we will be able to revitalize the segment. I hope so. We got a fucking dearth of content during Kane Chronicles. Yeah, such a hat series. Uh, anyway, hopefully that will not be repeated in this series, which is shaping up to be good so far. Yeah, which is why we're not continuing it next time. Uh, next time <laughs> we're doing... Fuck the series. Uh-huh, next time we're doing The Demigod Diaries, which is kind of like The Demigod Files, but different. Um, I'm assuming with fewer horrible character portraits. Or more, actually. I want more of those. Those are horrible. Either way, it will be okay for, with me. <laughs> uh, Editor Jacqueline here, just to say that we got too excited about the Son of Neptune, so we're actually going to be doing that next. Uh, we'll, we'll do the Demigod Diaries afterwards. Thank you. Uh, but I think that does it for us today. Our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. Uh, our cover art is by uh, Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter. We're Howley... Pr- Howardly? I almost said Howardly Prosted. <laughs> We're proudly hosted by the Moonshot Network of Podcasts. You can find them at Moonshot Pods on Twitter. And if you want to reach us, you can check us out on twitter.com slash unwisegirls. There we've got links to our Discord. You can DM us, whatever you want to do. 
And if you want to support us, you can leave us a five-star rating or review. You can tell your friends about us, or you can go to patreon.com slash unwisegirls and support us there. For a dollar a month, you get the Discord role of Camp Counselor. For three dollars a month, you get the Discord role of Friend of Bacchus, as well as all of our bonus content. Uh, yep, yeah, uh, we... Uh... Last bonus episode, uh, I talked about how the main character in the anime Blue Period uh, is definitely not Cishet, uh, and I am waiting for this to be confirmed in the show. We also do various things, like watch adjacent media, uh, we're going to read some like not mythological required in series eventually, lots of cool stuff. Eventually, we swear. <laughs> we swear, please don't get mad at us. Uh, and for $5 a month, you get the Discord role of Venus's Chosen, all the bonus content, as well as a special thank you at the end of episodes. Speaking of which, this week, we'd like to thank uh, Tana, Mercy, Veronica, Friend, Erica, uh, and a special shout out to our newest uh, Aphrodite's Chosen patron, uh, Anissa. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say... At the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half Blood. See you next week, Camp Half Blood. Bye. Bye.